Father, we thank you, Lord, today for the good service that we had this morning. Thank you for speaking to all of our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the, the taking away of the saints. And, Father, how you laid out for us so plainly in the scriptures. We thank you, Lord, for this time now in Romans chapter 7 as we finish up the chapter. And, Father, I pray that you'd help people to have victories in their life. Father, victories in the Christian life, and Father, victory that they need in their lost condition. And I pray, Father, we realize, as the Bible says, it's only through Jesus Christ the Lord. And I pray, Father, your presence would be here, and you'd do a mighty work in our midst. And help me, Father, do your will. Help us to uh, be led by your Spirit in this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in Romans chapter 7. And we'll pick up here in verse 14. And notice the Bible says in verse 14, For I know, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm, for I'm, but I'm carnal and sold into sin. For that which I do I allow not, for what I would, that do I not, but, be, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, uh, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now I do not uh, that I would, now, now if I don't, Excuse me. Now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find that a law which uh, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God and the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall uh, deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, so then with my mind I myself serve the law of God, both the flesh, the law of sin. Wow. Thank you. You may be seated. So we see in chapter 6, 7, and 8, the book of Romans are some of the the richest portion of the Word of God and uh, within the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul in chapter 6 declares the victory uh, that we have in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. In chapter 8, the Apostle declares the security we have because of his love, uh, because of the love of God and the leadership of the indwelling spirit. Chapter 8 uh, will uh, help us, uh, well, chapter six, through, uh, chapter 6 and 8 are bookends uh, of the victory. Within the bookends, uh, we have uh, chapter 7, which describes the heartfelt, honest description of the law and its relationship to the unsaved sinner. Uh, then from sh- verse 14 to 25, which we just read, we see Paul's descriptive struggle of a saved man in the unsaved body. Now, Paul paints 
for all the, the, the saved a portrait of his struggles, his disappointments, and uh, then the victory for the child of God. And notice, if you would, verse 15, the Bible says, For that which I, I do, I allow not. For what I do, that do I not. For what I hate, that do I. And then verse 19, Paul continues, and it says, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. So let me say that, uh, the only th- those who have never experienced the grace of God and salvation would think that Paul was living in sin, that he had skeletons in his closet, that uh, he was in open rebellion and practicing something which he had preached against. But as Paul was living a, as, as if Paul was living a dual life, one thing in church, another thing at home, one week for the Lord, another for the devil. And the Word of God clarifies what Paul was, uh, was not doing. So notice, if you would, just put a mark on there in, first, uh, in Romans chapter 7. But let's look at some other verses. We'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And Paul states there in uh, chapter 6, and we'll pick up here in verse 9. Uh, the Bible tells us in verse 9, uh, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abuse themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, uh, drunkards, or revilers, or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So when he speaks about revilers, it, it, it speaks about, uh, you know, mean-spirited, uh, you know, uh, the idea of, you know, um, permissive. And then in uh, number, uh, uh, nor extortionists, Paul's saying, uh, taking advantage of others looking for the upper hand. Well, that's not spiritual, and that's not what Paul was saying. Paul, Paul was saying that there was a struggle in his life. We go to Galatians chapter 5, please. Galatians chapter 5, and notice, if you would, verse 19 and 21. Galatians 5, and the Bible says in verse 19, that it works of the flesh are manifest with are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, idolatry, uh, excuse me, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, re- revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul was not doing these things. And then notice Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians 5 and verse 5. And notice he says, For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath an inheritance in the kingdom of God, kingdom of Christ and of God. So Paul is not living a, a, a dual life. He's not living a life of hypocrisy. As I mentioned before, he didn't have skeletons in his closet. He was not holding over, looking over his shoulder, wondering if anyone saw where he was or saw what he, he had done. So we see, number one, as we go back to chapter 7 and verse 14, Paul declares the state of the believer. And verse 14, he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold unto sin. So Paul, in verse 13, says that the law is good. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's spiritual, right, it's holy, it's pure, it's uh, revealing, it's convicting. 
In Psalm 119, verse 7, the law of the Lord is uh, uh, perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. We see in chapter 7, verse 12 of Romans, he says, Wherefore the law is holy, and commandment holy, just, and good. So a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. You're right. We don't live under the law. But the thing is, God tells us, if you love me, keep my what? My good thoughts? My positive words? Keep my commandments. And it's not that God is against the commandments, but we, we're not law keepers. We're under grace. But the Bible tells us back here in chapter 6, and notice, if you would, verse uh, 1, know you not, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 1, what, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? A lot of people believe that. That I'm still a sinner, I'm going to continue in sin. God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So the idea is because of conversion, that takes place in our soul as a result of repentance toward God, faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. God is going to do a work in our lives, and we're no longer uh, under the law, but under grace. But if you think that grace gives you the license to sin, you're dead wrong. You're dead wrong. So the, the idea is that we need to remind our uh, our Creator gave His law to Moses, and the law is good. It's right. The problem is not with the law, but the problem is with man. And the law is holy. Man is unholy uh, in his natural state because of salvation or repentant sinner is positionally holy. And uh, we have uh, delivered from the law and its damnation and uh, uh, its perpetual defeat. But Paul states the flesh is sinful. Verse Verse 14 for we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold on a sin. So he's speaking about carnality. He's saying it's fleshly. He's speaking about the Christian life and his struggle with sinful flesh. And remember, we are a trichotomy with spirit, soul, and body. And because of that, salvation, we're dead in trespasses and sins, dead or separated from God. And salvation in Christ converts the soul. It quickens one and makes them alive in the spirit. And yet the body remains unsaved. Now, it will be saved in the future. The Bible speaks about this in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall, not, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and the mortal must put on immortality. Notice chapter 8, if you would, of Romans, chapter 8 and verse 22. And the Bible says, uh, we, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of spirit, even we, have, uh, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Everyone groan. Okay. Waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. Now, I'll tell you when we do grow. When we don't go directly against God. So what is wrong with me? What is my problem? 
Why would I sin against God? God's been so good to me. I mean, it grieves us. There's a groaning that takes place. And it's throughout creation. But it's in man. A man who's been converted to Christ. There's, there's a, a, a groaning that takes place. And the, the, the idea is that uh, Paul says in verse 23, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first truth of the Spirit, for uh, even ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. So the, the key here is we're looking for redemption of our body and the ransom, the full deliverance. So, I, you know, if you've been saved, if you've been born again by the Spirit, you've been born from above, you're, you're raised to a new life, and you know there's been a change in your life. But every so often, you, there's a groaning that takes place. You know, we, we, we sin. We fail the Lord. And so the, the Bible speaks about our redemption and coming to Christ and being born again. But the, the, the thing is, we're saved. Our spirit's saved. Our soul is saved. But the body's yet to be saved. Our body's yet to be saved. But it'll be saved at the rapture. The taking away the saints. We're going to get a brand new body. One that's incorruptible. One's not going to have corruption in it. And we'll be changed. Now, and this is just a side note. I'm just saying, but my body may be the prototypical idea of what God's going to give us. In I hope not. We'll be all gimping around heaven. Amen? All right. Although the believers made a new creature, they have uh, abiding sin or remaining sin. And this is our problem, the difference between a saved person and a lost person, even though uh, they, have, uh, they both have sin, and uh, the saved will have victory over his sin. The child of God cannot continue in sin. That's impossibility. And cannot live in sin and cannot practice sin. So I want to say this, and I say this, and I know there's some folks visiting here today, and I appreciate it so much, but the Bible does not teach backsliding. It's not in the New Testament. It's not there. And backsliding in the Old Testament is as a nation. They, they got away from God. But there's no place in the Bible, in, in the New Testament, for us to backslide. Now, does that mean that, I'm, I'm telling you about myself, that I don't uh, have days where I'm, I'm a little, you know, um, lukewarm. That's a scriptural term. Lukewarm and backsliding, two different things. It's two different things. And the idea that, you know, oh, they're backsliding, they're out in the world. Show me someone who's out in the world in the New Testament. What about demons? Demons forsook the Lord. The idea, he loved the world. Now, a lot of people don't believe this, but he loved the world. I had one man tell me one time what, what that meant, a preacher. He said, well, he wanted to invest in the world, and he loved that more than he loved serving God. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. I don't think Demas was the same man. Just like I don't think Diotrephes was the same man. He loved to have the preeminence. So the Bible is very careful and very uh, concerned about believing right. 
So there are people who are false professors who don't live the Christian life. They can't. They're in the flesh, not in the spirit. So this is not talking about, Paul is speaking about uh, this, this problem he has, a struggle in the believer's life. And we see that in verse 15. He said, for which, uh, that which I do not allow, uh, do, excuse me, for that which I do I allow not, for what I would that do I not, but what I hate that do I. So we see the conflict. Notice verse 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. So Paul confesses uh, the acknowledgement of abiding sin and the power over his flesh. And there's an an interesting comparison between chapter 7 and 8 of Romans. Romans 8 speaks of the victory uh, position and practice of the child of God. And, And much is said about the Holy Spirit. So whereas in Romans chapter 7, the, 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 uh, the pronoun, uh, 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 he says, I, me, my, speaks of self and is found 40 times uh, with no mention of the Holy Spirit in chapter 7. So Paul is saying, in, in my strength, my ability, I'm weakened, I'm limited to my responses to conquering self and sin. And so there's a great desire within me, Paul is saying, because I'm saved through the Son of God to live right and walk right and do right. But there is a, a conflict within my being, uh, which uh, uh, I fight, which I fight on a daily basis. Uh, I'm attempting to live right uh, by according to God's word, but there's a fight within me. And, you know, the Bible teaches us, notice, if you would, Galatians uh, chapter, uh, let's see, Galatians chapter 5. And notice what Paul says here, Galatians chapter 5. And let's start here in verse, uh, verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. You only use not liberty for occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. So we've been set free. Jesus promised that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Again, that's the idea of untying knots. And lots of times we have knots in our life, you know, mentally and, and uh, physically and emotionally. We have knots. But Jesus came to set us free. And I remember after I got saved, God started untying knots in my life. So God goes on and tells us here in verse 14, uh, so he says, uh, don't, don't allow your uh, liberty to an occasion full of flesh, but by love servant, for all the laws fulfilled in this word, even this, that, uh, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now notice verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you do not consume one of another. So what is he saying here? I'm not talking about physical biting, or, you know, I'm so hungry I'm going to eat the whole body. No, he's talking about you know, causing gossip and, you know, fighting against people and all that junk. But he said in verse 16, here's what Paul said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? 
Verse 17, the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the spirit, you're not on the law. So the key is be, you're saved to be filled and empowered by God's spirit. If you do that, you're going to walk in the Spirit. You're not going to succumb to temptation. And you're not going to succumb to, to trial, not trials, but to, to biting and devouring one another. You're going to love people. You're going to serve out of love. You're not be just picky and choosing. You're going to love everyone. And you're going to want to serve them. Amen. So, we find here one man said it this way, sin is so wretched and powerful that even in a, a redeemed person, it hangs on and contaminates his living and frustrates the inner desire to obey the will of God. So saved, saved people still have the Adamic nature, sinful, and, and a new nature, which is uh, of God and, and is holy. And these two natures are in conflict, one with another. They're in, incompatible, they're irreconcilable. And the Bible says in chapter 7 of, of, of Romans, verse 17, Paul said, Now, then uh, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Now, that's not an excuse. That's not a cop-out. Oh, he said, well, it's not me. It's the sin I have. Well, what do you, it's your sin. It comes from your heart, your desire, your lust. That's what the Bible says. My, it's all me. So I'm not, Paul's not making an excuse here about the, the out of man. He's, he's saying this is the problem. And it may not be him spiritually, but it is him physically. So we, we see the conflict. He speaks about indwelling sin. That's the problem. But know the, the contestants in verse 18 and 19. For I knew that in me, that is in my Flesh dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. So there's a struggle, there's frustration. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 19, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. I've said this before. You know, you can be in prayer. You can be in a, a, a place of, of service for the Lord. You can, you know, be trying to do God's will for your life. And all of a sudden some, you know, vile thought comes into your heart. Say, where did that come from? Your heart. That's where it all comes from. And this is the frustration of a, a child of God's life. It's not always immorality. It could be lots of things. Maybe a lust. Maybe coveting. It may be, you know, wrong thought about, what if I stole this? You know, what if you're jealous, you have issues with some people, you wind up getting angry. That's your fault. It's my fault. So the, the Bible is very clear about this. Uh, and Paul uses a dichotomy to Paul's, Saul of Tarsus, a Paul who's called to be a saint. And one was religious, but the other, uh, but lost walking according to the lust of the flesh. One was saved, and the other is strong to walk, uh, is uh, saved and is strong to walk in the Spirit. These are two different authorities. 
We have one, the flesh, and the other, the spirit. We, have, we want to do God's will, and yet we have the flesh with us. So Paul is not being irresponsible towards his sin. He realizes personal responsibility and guilt. And the child of God has now a nature, uh, a dominant nature, and his old sinful nature. And the sinful nature has not been uh, 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 eradicated. He still has a sinful nature. It's, it's like being an exile ruler, no longer reigning in, in the, uh, the convert's life. His he, uh, abode is in the unconverted, uh, the unredeemed, uh, the, uh, what is known as a flesh. Notice chapter uh, 7 verse 18, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For that which is present in me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. So Paul said in Philippians, he said, If any man, uh, if any, man uh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And he goes on to a, a list of things that Paul did when he was lost. But he said, I count it all as, as dumb, as, as, like manure. There's no value in his soul for that. And yet later on in that chapter, he, he states that all he did uh, in the flesh, and, but he says in chapter 7, verse 18, in our f- flesh, he said, dwell no good thing. And so... You say, well, that's the frustrating thing, preacher. I know I'm not lost, but you know I'm still going to have this struggle. But <laughs> it's different. You know, I, I get a kick out of people who are lost to want to tell me what the same person, what the same person, is going to do and how he's going to live. I'm thinking, you're not even saved. What's wrong with you? You know, the problem is they they don't believe this verse here in um, chapter uh, seven, where. Paul said in verse 18, For I know in me that is my flesh dwell no good thing. They somehow still believe that there's goodness in them. The Bible says there's none that doeth good. No, not one. Now, what does the Bible say? What does it mean? You are not going to do good enough to get to heaven. That's why the Bible says... There's none righteous, no, not one. So we cannot trust in ourselves, but we've got to trust in the living God. We've got, we've got to believe that we'll be spirit-filled and spirit-controlled. And, beloved, there, there's some days that you're going to struggle more than others. I don't know why that is. It may be demonic. It may be a lack of confession of your sin. And whatever it may be, but there are going to be some days, and the best thing to do, the best thing to do is go low. I'm talking about go low. <laughs> That's a dietary plan, but what I'm saying is you've got to go low. You've got to humble yourself. That's <laughs> what I meant to say. I am so funny, I'm telling you. Anyway. <laughs> But that, that's what you want to do. You want to, you want to humble yourself before God. And maybe that's what's needed. Maybe you haven't been humbling yourself like you should have. So uh, Paul says this. He said, in me that is my flesh dwelleth no good thing. So then he goes on and tells us 
in, in our, ourselves, we're, we're nothing. We, we fall short. We sin. We err. We, we, uh, we uh, do wrong. Paul goes on and says, for I know. This was learned by his painful experience, his humbling times, discovered by the Spirit, applying to the standard of the law in his heart. And this should strip men of their pride, of their self, of their boasting, being braggadocious. The comparison is to the law of God, there's nothing good in my flesh. The human sinful nature found in Adam. The the flesh is wholly destitute of good, of righteousness, of honoring and pleasing God or or fulfilling the law. He said, dwelleth no good thing. So what do you think he meant? Dwelleth no good thing. God says what he means and means what he says. Now the flesh, the old man, or the carnal nature is essentially sinful. And the old nature, the old man, is at enmity against God. Notice Romans 8 and verse 7, please. Romans 8, verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So if you're lost this morning, you may go around saying, no, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to help this person, and all that. There's, you cannot do good in, in it, to, to think you're getting to heaven. Now, it doesn't mean it can't do good as far as other men and women see, but you're not doing good to get you to heaven. You're not righteous. The Bible tells us here so plainly in verse 7, because the carnal mind is that enmity against God. Your, your heart, your soul, your mind is against God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be can't make your flesh uh, and remain in the flesh submit to God. You're against God. And any good within man is after salvation, the results of salvation. Within the root of the old nature is evil. I think it's very important. I've said this before that you accept your depravity. That you understand that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Now, some of you have probably nervous breakdown. But that's, that's what you need to do. I'm a wretched sinner. The Bible says that. I'm against God. I'm at enmity with God. And God alone is only good. Only those who have, uh, through salvation, have received his nature. And be good and, and do good. So when we get saved, we receive the divine nature. And we'll be, we'll be able to start living right, doing right. Are there struggles? That's what Paul's talking about here. But the, the victory is great. And Paul has given us a reality check that man who's saved cannot do what needs to be done, cannot live the way he's supposed to live without the Holy Spirit. So we, we, we have to depend upon Jesus Christ. We got to do his will. And so then we see the conclusion in verse 21 and 24. Paul says, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law 
in my memos, what's that word there? Warring. Warring against the law of my mind. That's why the Bible speaks that we feel like there's a battle going on. I'm troubled. And what the Bible says, that there's a, another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my member. And Paul, Paul then declares, O wretched man that I am. Uh, he says, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Verse 25, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And may I say this, beloved, Paul is not saying, I serve my flesh. <laughs> he wasn't saying, but that's, that's what he's saying. That the flesh, I'm, I'm serving sin, but with my mind, I'm serving the law, the, uh, the law of God. So in verse 24, he declares himself a wretched man. Wretched means full of toils and, and uh, har- harassed by perpetual conflict. The condition of the captive doom to labor in the mind. And the wretchedness not felt when uh, he was lost and dragging God's people off to jail. Paul did that. He brought people into, uh, you know, being arrested and uh, thrown in jail. The law brings wretchedness. Salvation brings deliverance. It brings peace. The uh, Bible says it brings joy. Notice chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, in John chapter 8, I figure verse 18 or 36, Paul tells us that we're condemned already. As unsaved people, we're condemned. But here in verse 1 of chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in the Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Notice he says, uh, who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, this is such an important word, in. Either you're in or you're out. Either you're saved or you're lost. Either you're a child of God or you're not. And people have a hard time, uh, you know, confessing what they are. But that's where the victory lies, beloved. You've got to confess. You've got to be honest. You've got, you've got to be true blue. You've got to reveal your heart. Be transparent with God. If you are, God will change your life, man. He'll, he'll change your life. He'll raise you to a new life. He'll, he'll uh, cause you to be born again by the Spirit of God, born from above. And so Paul understood that the closer we draw towards God, the more unholy and unworthy we'll see ourselves. David and other psalmists uh, declared they're, they're, uh, they're class such. Notice back in Psalm 130. Psalm 130. Let's turn there. And notice verse 1 through 6. The psalmist said, Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ear be attentive to the voice of my supplication. 
If thou, Lord, should mark iniquity, O Lord, who shall stand? I couldn't. I received my depravity a long time ago. That's why I got saved. I came clean. I I received the Lord as my Lord and Savior. I I was done with the flesh. Verse 4, but there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest fear. I waited for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and and, uh, his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than that which watch uh, for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. So we we find here where uh, the psalmist said pretty much similar to what Paul said. He he said, you know, he's trusting the Lord. He's trying to do God's will for his life. And uh, we see the the longer we're saved, the more one understands the grace of God and the goodness in salvation. Now let me, I'm going to just finish this up. I'm almost done. Notice uh, Paul's uh, prospect here in verse 25. Back here in chapter 7. And he says in verse 25, I thank God through our Lord Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, and with the flesh the law of sin. So Paul's prospect is found here, complete and permanent. Victory will come as a result of the rapture or the resurrection when all the saved will be completely changed. And uh, there's no, not going to be any more sin. Just eternal life uh, is through Jesus Christ. And uh, is escape from the, uh, the flesh and the victory, uh, which, are, uh, which uh, the, the rapture will take care of. Paul's proposal. Now, uh, there, now then, we can uh, be victorious uh, through uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, people do not have to live in a fleshly way. And God's people do not have to act out in an unspiritual way. Paul says, with the mind uh, or the heart, uh, uh, I will serve the law. But with the flesh, uh, the believer will, uh, serve, uh, will serve his fleshly nature. And because of our conversion, because of Christ our Savior, because the indwelling spirit, because of the new nature, we're more than conquerors. As God says in his word, I believe it. I'm not, I'm not living the way I used to live. I can't. It's impossible. And we can do all things through him and the power is might. We don't have to be dominated by the flesh. We can walk in the spirit. And, and not in the, uh, we're not to fulfill the lust of the flesh. So turn with me to John chapter 8, and we'll, we'll close here. John chapter, I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. I want you to stay with me on this. So Paul is telling us about the victory you have in Christ. John also is saying this. In John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, and watch this. He says, um, Whoso abideth in him... Sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him or known him. So the Bible clearly teaches as a result of salvation, we're not going to commit or we're not going to practice. That's what the word means. We're not going to practice sin. And so 
he goes on to say in verse 7, Little children, no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin, he that practices sin, is of the devil. And the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, that's what Jesus did in salvation. He destroyed the works of the devil. I don't do what I used to do. I don't live the way I used to live. You're old enough. I didn't do it when I was 19. God changed my life. And then verse 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Again, he'll practice sin. For his seed remaineth in him. Look at this. Look what it says there in verse 9. He cannot sin. Because he's born of God. So the idea, you can't practice that. You can't live there. Now look, when I first got saved, beloved, I thought apostles and epistles were husband and wife. I mean, that's, that's what I thought. I didn't know my, my nose from my elbow. But I started sitting in the preaching. God convicted me. God spoke to my heart. I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I didn't know that was wrong. And it wasn't just thou shalt not, but there was a lot of good things there. It was a balance in the ministry of saved and lost. Uh, of, of save, uh, uh, the, the saved uh, person and, and the, the, uh, the um, uh, what's the word I want to use? It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a balance between uh, living right and, and not living right. And doing God's will. And so that was all part of growing the Lord. I remember someone told me not too long ago, <laughs> they said, just when I thought I was doing good, God showed me another thing. Well, get used to it. You know, I've been doing it for 44 years. When God speaks my heart, I'm doing something wrong. I, God corrects me. Why? He loves us. As he loves us. He wants us to be like Jesus. Now think about this. When I grew up, I wasn't thinking about being like Jesus. I was thinking about maybe there's other people in my life that I wanted to be like. But then when I found out after I was saved that God was going to do work in my life, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. How? Unto good works. What's God hath before ordained that we should walk in them? That's wonderful that God had a plan for my life after I was saved to live for the Lord, to, to live for Christ. And God used the Spirit of God to chasten us to make us like Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the Bible tells us that conversion and then uh, uh, in Christ and then we have the indwelling Spirit and the Bible goes on and tells us we're more than conquerors. We don't have to be dominated by the flesh. We walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're seated in the heavenly places. We're made heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We have been uh, risen to a new life. We, we can put off the former conversation of our lifestyle uh, of the old man. We, we, we can. It's corrupt according to the deceitful lust. That's what the Bible says. And we can put away lying. Put away deceitfulness, dishonesty, hypocrisy. And, uh, and we're able to walk in the truth. We're able to walk in the light. And we can put away anger and stealing and corrupt communication, wrath, malice, and, and 
uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, being bad and wicked in character. We can put away blasphemy, filthy communications. We can be clothed with Christ-likeness, humility, holiness, mercy, kindness, long-suffering. We can look, look and live like our Lord. Uh, now, I'm not saying look like him, but we can look at, like, play the part of a Christian, be a Christian. And all because of salvation, Christ and the indwelling spirit. So we have uh, dominated and controlled by the spirit. We're going to be Christ-like in the, our philosophy of life, in our attitude, in our words. We, we need to realize two things, and then we'll close. And Romans chapter 6 states that because of salvation, we're, we're no longer enslaved by sin. Now let's go back to chapter 6 real quick. Chapter 6. And notice, if you would, watch this now, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign. In other words, let not sin rule in your mortal bodies that you shall obey in the lust thereof. We're not supposed to do that. Why? Because we've risen with Christ. That's why to think that we can live in sin, is, it's wrong. Verse 18, being then made free from sin. What are you? Free. You become servants of righteousness. And then second of all, Romans chapter 8 speaks of the Holy Spirit giving us crushing defeat over the flesh. Uh, look, look, if you would, just a couple of verses will be done. Verse 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation, and then they are in Christ Jesus. Walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from a law of sin and death. Notice verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Notice verse 12. Uh, Therefore, brethren, we are dead as not to, to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For you live after the flesh, you should die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. That's the key. Mortify. We've got to kill uh, and that's, you, you can't say, I'm going to put that off. You know, I'm going to hide this in my heart, my somewhere else. No, you got to mortify. you got to, you got to deal with the sin and kill it. In Galatians 5.15, but if you bite and devour one another, uh, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Galatians uh, 5.16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, you're not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 25, you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And the Bible tells us in uh, chapter 5, verse 18 of Ephesians, be not drunk with wine where it's excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And verse uh, chapter uh, 10 of Samuel, verse 6, and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man in isaiah 61 verse 1 the spirit of the lord god is upon me because the lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek and he hath uh, sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and claim liberty to captives well that's what the lord did for me he gave me liberty and uh, i've been i was one time in captivity but god set me free and so the most uh, professing most professing Christians do not uh, have the Spirit of God anointing, filling, control them. Then why? B- because you see them in their life unstable, 
unchristlike, unloving, unbelieving, and unthankful. And that's why their life is unappealing. They're bad testimony. They're unapproachable. That's why they're unavailable for certain jobs. I don't have time. I can't. I, I don't. I don't do that anymore. I, you know. I remember there was a, a guy I knew in our church up in Grand Forks who said, "I, I retire and I'm not going to serve anymore." I was a young Christian. Liz and I have always been a type. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. And he said, "I'm going to retire from this." Within a year, he died of cancer. And he said, "Do you think the Lord took him home? Sure." There's never a time off from serving the Lord. So we see how we need to be spirit-filled Christians in our church, in our lives. We cannot afford indifference concerning this urgent matter. And may the Lord enable us to walk worthy of the calling in our lives. Let's stand on our feet, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and no one look around.